To support this podcast, go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. Once again, positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Thank you and enjoy the program. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by PB and Joey. Simple, honest, and delicious. Go to pbandjoey.com for more information. Free shipping on all orders over $35. Once again, free shipping on all orders over $35. That's pbandjoey.com, pbandjoey.com. I'm trying to get crazy with this thing. Don't you know I'm local? Streaming live from the Spare Parts Studios, Jay here, PositiveSarcasm.com. You can find me on Instagram, Facebook.com slash Jew. Facebook.com slash PositiveSarcasm. You can find me on mine, Minds.com, PositiveSarcasm. Find me on the YouTubes. I'd be a little bit more on MetaCafe, but MetaCafe is a pain in the ass to upload to. But I will persevere. I'll actually get off to that. Uh, you can find me on YouTube. Just look for Positive Sarcasm. The... I'm I'm working on the whole Meta Cafe thing. They're little they're a little slower. Their reviews are more manual, and I'm having issues uploading stuff that's longer than thirty seconds. But I'll figure it out once I get a chance to. I just want to get spread out my content a little bit more. It's basically just going to be retreads of whatever's on YouTube. I'm going to pick some of the newer stuff and the better stuff, to be honest with you, and just put it up on Meta Cafe. You can also follow the podcast live whenever uh, whenever I'm recording. I'm also streaming. You can follow me on Twitch, twitch.tv slash positive sarcasm one. Okay. You can check out posing music. I just put up four new uh, four new posing samples. If you're a bodybuilder or a physique athlete, physique athlete, and you're looking for posing music, you're not sure if I, you need ideas or you're looking for an easy sample, just go to positive sarcasm.com slash posing music. There's, there's, there's like 30, 40, 50 of them there. If you have something in mind, Shoot me an idea of what you want me to do. I'll cut the sample for you, no problem. All donations are appreciated, of course, at positivesarcasm.com. Click on the dot kong. Just hit the just hit the donate button. It's all appreciated. It's all love. Because I got a big studio announcement. Uh this is uh let's see. I've been since 2014 when I first shared a Schaefer beer with Mark Seymour on the very first podcast. Uh, I don't even know if we had a microphone. I think we were running off the speaker mic. That was done in a bedroom. Then it switched to a patio setting. Where we had two we had two microphones, we had a two-channel mixer, and there was three of us. There was me, Shane, Mark. And then it switched to an actual like an actual living room where we set up like a beer pong table, the mixer, the two microphones, the laptop that ran everything. And then after that, it took a hiatus for six months, came back, two microphones set up, pretty much the same thing. A little stormy outside. I don't know if you, you definitely can't hear the lightning, which is cool. Uh, and then from there, it switched to, it actually, it finally, after four years, it got its first quote-unquote studio space it's nothing special it basically has a casting couch and a lazy boy recliner but there are three computers running at the same time you can't even really tell one of them's monitoring the twitch stream one of them strictly recording the podcast for editing later and the other one hosts my all my articles that i'll be reading to you later as well as monitoring any other things that just happen to be coming up and 
the thing is, is that I'm out of room. To be perfectly honest with you, I'm out of room. I have there's two computers sitting right next to each other. My coffee is basically right in front of one, another laptop. And then there's a bunch of other things that I'm saying, I'm showing here, showing off to sample for you guys. I'm going to showcase for you in a second. And I'm just, I got no room. There's not a lot of room to do things here. So I got to split, I got to spread it out. So I'm, a, I'm investing as of September 1st, the next podcast that you see will have a completely different setup. There will be the the blue cast the, the you haven't seen the blue casting couch because uh or you maybe if you have if you watched older live streams uh when Johnny Monotone was in studio just sometimes I'll show that and the uh, and the microphone arms are new too those I haven't started using until late last year so all that all that stuff is now being brought over into the into a moving into a, a larger room for all this and there will be the late the recliner will be going with it. There will be a two-tone guest seat strictly for the primary guest who will be sitting right alongside of me with a coffee table in the middle and then two end tables on each sides so that the guests can put their coffee there or put their information there. And the, the casting couch for visitors will be right there if there wants to be somebody who wants to watch the podcast. There'll be a, uh, a three-person casting couch uh, right there for, for them to watch. And there will be two forms of streaming. There'll also be a coffee table. The coffee table is also going with me, but that's going to get cleaned up and probably uh, there's going to be a paint color change and it's going to be customized. And there'll be so much more room for laptops and things like that with two forms of streaming. So I'll continue to stream on Positive Sarcasm, uh, the twitch.tv slash Positive Sarcasm, and quite possibly... I don't think it's going to be going through YouTube. Most likely, it'll either be going through Facebook.com for the for the additional stream, or through another service. I haven't quite decided yet, but there will be an additional stream. I figure there should be at this point to just maybe grow the audience a little bit more. Now, the initial draft of the setup is already in my head and completed, and the room itself will be. Uh, a little bit larger than the one I have I'm in now and it will be strictly for the gear my gear that will be on display and with extra art that'll be out and just more room it'll be strictly for the podcast it will kind of look like a cigar lounge when you think about it but it'll be designed for that I even have I even have extra golf clubs that I'll be putting next to the seats for art. I have a ton of these golf sets that I think would be pretty cool. So I'm going to give it definitely more of a man cave-ish type of look, but it will be strictly for the, the podcast. And this is a big deal because this is a actual financial investment in using this strictly for the live stream and nothing else. So th this is a critical moment of whether, you know, when things like this, do I want to keep everything minimalist and the same? Or do I want to move to the next level and really go all in with what I'm doing? Uh, speaking of going all in, let's see. The Twitch stream. BAF says, sup, hello, man. Uh, greetings to you on the Twitch stream. You guys, you can interact with me on twitch.tv slash sarcasm one I do have a bot moderator uh, running at the same time, so just don't continually message me like, seven to ten times in a row or the bot will turn you off for 300 seconds 
But I do. But if you do have a question or a comment, do feel free to hit me up through the live stream. I'd be more than happy to uh, cater to whatever thoughts or questions you have. Uh, don't be a douche on the live streams, or the moderator will throw you out, or I'll do it myself. Um, we try to be creative and helpful here, and honest, you know, non-combative back and forth. There's a lot of good things happening, but this next part is scary because I'm getting a bigger space that's specifically for this and I don't have any financial, real financial backers for this next step. It's all going to be me. So I really have to take good care in how I set it up and then I have to do also a YouTube video dedicated simply to the podcast to let people know that this space, how it came to, you know, literally record how it all came together, pushing seats together, you know, moving things back and forth, putting that all together so people can see the process of how something gets creative. They become more invested in it. And by doing it through YouTube, people will actually know that the podcast is there. Uh, I don't rarely talk about it on YouTube. YouTube is more for creative event stuff and other things that are on my mind, other concepts and shit. I never really talk about the podcast well, then again, I don't talk much lately on the YouTube channel at all. Mostly it's just me pointing the camera in the other direction. Seems to be working out for me. But it is two different worlds, and it's time to kind of bring them a little bit together. But I won't be streaming on YouTube because uh, I think those, at least for now, should be separate. But if another platform welcomes it, I'd be more than happy to. But the studio renovation will be, a will be effective uh, unless anything changes, effective the very next podcast. And so the next time you see me streaming, it will be through that new room. And I'll still be in the blue recliner, though. So do, do expect that. It'll be nice. I got uh, one, two, three. I got like four articles today. Uh, tomorrow, I'm heading, up to, I'm heading up across the border into Maine. Taking a few days to just kind of unwind there. Uh, and I'm going to be bringing up some stuff with me. As you guys know, I'm a big fan of coffee. I'm a big fan of hot sauce. So I'm going to be bringing up, I actually go out of my way now when I stop by people's houses or, you know, crash for a night or something. I leave a bottle of Badia's hot sauce. And oddly enough, people tend to like it after they try for a few days. The one I'm particularly talking about is the Badia's habanero, not the ghost pepper, because the ghost pepper will kill you. So... It's a 5,000 Scoville unit uh, hot sauce. It's not expensive. It's like $2.19. It's definitely got a significant kick. It works great on eggs. It works great on meat, rice, vegetables, whatever you're thinking of. It has an actual really good flavor. So that is, that's what I'm going to be bringing up. And I'm going to be um, bringing up a couple other ones that I know well, I know as well. Uh, this one is El, Yuc uh, El Yucateco. El Yucateco is a chili habanero hot sauce made in... It's a product of Mexico. And it's got like a... It's got like a scotchy black bean type of flavor to it. It's not hot in my... To my standards. So... But it is quite tasty. It's actually very, very good. So I'm going to be bringing that up with me, too, in case somebody can't do the habanero. And I'm bringing an oldie but a goodie, which is Cholula. Cholula hot sauce with chili and garlic. When I used to do, like, Fish Taco Friday with Mark and Shane, we used to bring freaking... They used to have this on every single table. The Cholula chili garlic or the Cholula chipotle or the Cholula classic. 
and it has a distinct flavor to it. It's very, very good. But as far as heat goes, no. It's in the it's in the late eight hundred. It's in the late hundreds, or uh, maybe twelve hundred Scoville. No big. It's really not hot at all. And neither is the um, El Yucateca or El Yucateco Black Label. It's not hot at all. But they're all very, very good. So I'm going to be bringing those up with me. I've also requested that the ghost pepper and other various hot sauces be going up with me as well because we're going to be sampling all kinds of food when we're up there, and we're going to be right on the water. So, And, of course, I'm going to be bringing up various coffees as well. The coffee I'm sampling today is the, let's see, it's uh, Wide Awake Coffee Company, grounds, ground coffee Seattle-style dark. Supposedly very bold, but I don't, I don't really think of it as that bold. It's a decent. Um, I have it in iced coffee form right now, with just some half and half and some uh, cashew milk, and it isn't. It's a pure arabica bean, but for the most part, it's pretty mellow. It's a rather mild coffee. It, where is it made? Let's see. Doesn't really say much on where where it is. I mean, oh, it, let's see. Distributed by Topco Associates, Elk Grove Village, Illinois. But doesn't really state anything else besides that. It's not bad. It's not bad. Doesn't have that gross aftertaste like um. Doesn't have the gross aftertaste like Dunkin' Donuts does. It's not. It's not nowhere near bitter like Starbucks. It's a little, it's, it's far milder than Aroma Joe's. Um, and my, but as far as like an actual morning cup of hot, um, not what I would recommend. But as far as an iced coffee, if you're going to be adding milks or creams to it, I, I would give it a solid three out of five stars for Wide Awake Coffee Company. I like it. It's not bad. Um, I'll take it up with me to, I'll take it up with me to Wells because we're going to be right on the ocean. So. There's that. And then, of course, uh, let's see. This was Wicked Joe's. I think we had this. I had this the other day in a full dark. This is a f organic fair trade Wicked Italian. Wicked, dude. Fucking Wicked Italian. Uh, deep and soulful, rich and smoky with a notion of dark chocolate. I had this yesterday, which is with a little bit of that collagen pump stuff. Um, which is actually, if you're looking to like lose weight or change up what you put in your coffees, the collagen pump stuff, just look it up. It's TJ Maxx. You can Google it. Just look up college, uh, collagen milk creamer. And it's like a little pump thing and it's all like sugar alcohols and stuff. And it's quite good. Um, this one is a rich and smoky with notes of dark chocolate. It's a fair trade coffee. If you're in that type of thing, it's organic. And it actually, when it says it's dark roast, it's actually, I would say, more of a high-end uh, medium. It doesn't hit you like Cafe Bustelo does, which I now have back in the house finally. But it's actually for an overall, if you were just going to have this hot in the afternoon, I'd recommend it. Morning cup, I'd recommend it. Evening roast, I'd probably pull, pump the brakes on that. This is definitely more of a, uh, a morning blend. Now, my palate has definitely been compromised since I've been drinking a shit ton of Aroma Joe's, uh, a ton of Sumatra blend, and just a ton of dark roasts in general. Real soul dark roasts, heavy espresso roasts, uh, even that El Dorado coffee. So, not bad. Actually, I like this too, uh, but I would still prefer to... 
don't know if this company, if, if anybody know, if anybody knows anybody over at Wicked Joe's, they could send me some samples. I'd love to love to taste test that. I should probably start start. Uh, I'm all over the place today. I should probably start sending out some requests for samples so I can bring them on the podcast and check them out. Now, I guess if you were if you were to have cups of coffee, if you were to have coffee in your house, what would you want to start your day off with? Uh, if you're going to start your day off hot, which most people do, mm, I would pers- I personally would start off with... Now, if you have a coffee maker in your house, like an old coffee maker, throw it out. If you have a Keurig in your house, throw it out. If you have an actual steel metal es- like coffee maker, like a cappuccino or espresso machine, cool. If you have one of those Miko... Uh, for you know, Cubano coffees, cool. If you have a French press, yes. And if you have a pour over with a with a metal filter, also huge yes. That's how you should be making your coffees, okay. And you should start every morning with um, like an Aroma Joe's or a medium roast Javalia, whole bean preferably. That's how I would start my mornings off. That to me, there's the right amount. There's, it's a there's a right in, amount of boldness. There's a lot of flavor. They both taste great hot. That would be the way to go in the morning. In the afternoon, I would start uh, in the afternoon when you're going for an iced coffee, I would go with an Aroma Joe's iced. Make Go get the bold. I would recommend go to the Aroma Joe's. Go get a bag of whole bean. It'll cost you about $9. Get the boldest blend they have. Bring it back. Crush the beans. You know, put them in a grinder. Brew the coffee through either a French press or a pour-over, and then throw it in the fridge. Leave that and that, and then make that into iced coffee, and that will be your afternoon iced coffees for the day. That's what I recommend for the afternoons, whether you're going to be drinking it black or with creamers. That's what I recommend. In the evenings, I would go for maybe some of Starbucks. Actually, maybe not so much Starbucks, but if you are still into Starbucks, I would recommend a Sumatra blend or one of their limited blends that ha- that has a real intense flavor to them. Or you go with a, a different Javalia that's more that's whole bean and really dark. You can go with a Cafe Bustelo, but that's not an Arabica bean. That's like a, a Robusto, so you're going to be a little jittery. You're going to want something that's going to be going to get you, keep you mellow, but at the same time kind of, you know, even things out per se. So there are there are several blends out there that you can go with. And Illy's, and Illy's is a perfect evening blend. Uh, Lavazza is a perfect evening blend. So you have those two options as well. And, of course, any high-end Javalia or high-end Starbucks, like a limited edition, usually comes in like a little black baggie. Those would be the perfect blend to end the night on or to mix with cocktails, in my opinion. Or if you're just going to drink them black, that as well. So I'm going to be bringing those up with me to Wells, Maine. I'll be bringing all my gear, and I will be bringing the pelican because apparently, from what I was told, there's a shark, sh- shark, in in the inlet over there in Wells Beach. So, I, if there's a fucking shark in the middle of the inlet or just across the pond in the water, and I can reach it with the bird, I'm going to send the bird out there to go chase him down. Especially if it's a great white. I'm going to get right up and close with that thing and send my drone right over its head and see if I can get out there and get some really good footage. Sell it to, sell it to the news <laughs> under the table. How much you how much you want for footage of a great white shark? Ten grand? Hmm? Hmm? So, 
Yeah, so right now I'm drinking a blend of Wicked Joe's and something else with this cashew milk, which I don't know if I'm particularly a fan of. I'm probably going to stop with that altogether. And um, some of that, what the hell is this stuff? Wide Awake. So they're okay. Um, maybe I'm spoiled now with the whole coffee world. So coffee samples, there's that. The hot sauces, Cholula, Badia Habanero. And El Yucateco, which is very flavorful, but not nearly as hot as the habanero. But the body of habanero is my, that's like my weekly go-to. Like, I pick up a bottle of that. It literally is. It's two It's just over two bucks in my world. And that's my weekly go-to, and I can put it on anything. If you eat too much of it during the day, though, I think it does make you tired. I eat that stuff a lot. It would make me sleepy. But, yeah, so the hot sauce, that's going to be traveling with me up to Maine. We're going to be having, like, a big seafood thingy up there. There's a shark up there, supposedly, so I'm going to be checking that out. Uh, movie dorks. I got a bunch of movie stuff that we'll be talking about real quick. Uh, this is right before we get into before we get into the articles. The new Rambo trailer. Oh, that's not me beating off. Uh, the new Rambo trailer actually just dropped. It's on Instagram. If you follow Sylvester Stallone on Instagram, he's got this, he's got a funny Instagram. Uh, he just dropped his trailer on on the social medias. Uh, it's probably up on YouTube. Philly DeFranco was ranting around about it. It looks really good. It is very much of a Liam Neeson type of thing. It's very Taken-esque. All right? Apparently somebody jacked his granddaughter or some shit, and he's got to go across the border and figure out who took her, and most likely it was the, most likely it was the cartel. So now the cartel wants to kill John Rambo, and guess what? You can't kill John Rambo. Um, so they're probably going to go into his ranch where he originally retired when he came back from Burma or across the pond from Burma from the last Rambo movie, and they're going to try to kill him, and he's going to kill everybody, and it's going to be super ultra-violent, and we're all going to be clapping and cheering and sweet. So hopefully that's a good movie. That's coming out. When is that coming out? It's coming out soon. I know that. It'll probably be out in the next couple months. I know in September, um, It Chapter 2 comes out, September 6th. I just got, we went into, uh, me and my buddy Zach went into a, uh, went to a wormhole trying to figure out where to go get steak and cheeses next week. He's like, dude, let's go get some steak and shakes. I'm like, cool. Uh, what about, uh, It Chapter 2? He was trying to show me the commercial for that movie after Underwater that's coming out, and I'm like... Yeah, I'm all set. That movie's going to tank. Now, this movie, on the other hand, and I showed him the, the trailer for It Chapter 2, and he's like, dude, when are we going? I'm like, it, I'm like, whenever, dude. It comes out September 6th. So we'll probably steak and shake it. Uh, he decided on Pappy's, so we're going to check out Pappy's to see if their steak and cheese is any good. And then we're going to swing over and we're going to watch uh, Pennywise. That trailer is messed up, dude. That one, if you haven't seen the, uh, the Stephen King's It that just came out uh, last year, it's one of the best horror movies I've ever seen. So I'm actually, and there's a huge, there's actually, it's it, it's much bigger than just being a horror movie. There's a lot of science fiction that's at, that's behind it. So hopefully they expand upon that in the sequel. I wouldn't bother going back and watching like the the made for TV version with Tim Curry and stuff like that. I'd just I'd go past that and just focus on. Don't even read the book. Just watch the movie. Okay, do yourself a favor. I reviewed it a long time. I reviewed it probably like a year ago. I think I gave it four out of five stars. But truth be told, it's one of my favorite horror movies of time with uh with like Insidious. 
you know it really was that good I should actually go back and rewatch The Exorcist I probably won't give it the as high remarks as I originally did uh, what are we at? We are at 24 minutes. All right, so I guess we'll hop into it. I've got one, two, three, four. Uh, I got four articles. There was a bunch that we didn't get into last week. Uh, one was about how the uh, uh, the black hole at the center of our galaxy swallowed a neutron star. Uh, they finally figured it. Originally, the articles went like this. Something weird happened in the middle of our galaxy, and scientists don't know why. And then it turned into okay, there was a, there was a spot that uh, astronomers or scientists, people watching the center of our galaxy, spotted a bit a burst of light, and they're trying to figure out what the hell it is. And then they finally figured out what it was. That our black hole, because every galaxy in the center of a galaxy has a black hole. That's why we. That's pretty much why we spin. So we're spinning around this huge black hole, and that's the Milky Way galaxy. That's the Andromeda galaxy. That's basically all galaxies. And apparently, a neutron star was eaten up, and it, and its last dying gasp, it just blew up. And that burst of light was spotted by our satellites. We saw it, we reported on it, and that's what that's all about. There's not much more information beyond that, because... You know, we're not the smartest people in the galaxy, that's for sure. I mean, we're here, we see things, but we can't explain them. So that was one of the articles. Uh, there's another article I have talking about, uh, what is it? UFOs coming out of black holes, but we'll read that later. The other, other, the other, the other article we talked about about two weeks ago was the explosion in Russia. We've talked about Chernobyl to death on this podcast. The other one, the idea is that there was another huge explosion in Russia, in the northern circles, up in you near know, like Siberia and whatnot. This one they were testing out. They were testing out weaponry, uh, which has been now identified. During the testing, the weaponry exploded, killing five scientists. And then, for a small period of time, there are these nuclear testing. Uh, these nuclear they test their signalers. They basically test if there's radiation in the area. They report that information, and then the Soviet government does whatever with it. Well, those stations that are a certain mileage away from the explosion uh, stopped reporting or turned off their signals or, or testing devices for a period of time. Don't know why, but apparently they, they were turned back on. And recently, Vladimir Putin has said yes, there was an explosion. People did die. There is radiation. The reason there's radiation is they were testing out something called a nuclear cruise missile. We talked about the cruise missile thing here on last week's podcast, but I don't think I reported it correctly. It's not a cruise missile that carries a nuclear payload. The United States has those. We have our Tomahawk cruise missiles, which were originally designed to carry nuclear payloads, but on a generic propulsion system. These nuclear cruise missiles are powered by nuclear fission or fusion, whatever. So they're designed to be powered by a nuclear energy source, which means instead of lasting up in the air for hours, they can go for days or even weeks. Basically just flying around and flying around and flying around on the same propulsion system powered by the same fuel. Just flying around with whatever payloads in there 
until its programming is completed and runs its cycle, or it receives additional information via a satellite or whatever, and then changes trajectory and follows that's cor and its course to its inevitable end. A nuclear-powered missile. Great. So, all kinds of issues can erupt from that, but that's what they're testing out right now. So, that's the situation with that. That scares the shit out of me. So, we're now, we've now basically got little nuclear reactors or whatever, little nuclear power sources. Just That's what they're testing. Just whizzing around in the air, doing their thing. Uh, this is the first I've heard of such technology. But the thought of that scares me. Especially with a state as unstable a history as it has with nuclear technology. Okay. The Chernobyl thing was because they were using RBMK reactors, which were cheaper in their design. And because they were still under the communist rule, it, the, the mistakes and the secrecy that followed and the lies are what ultimately led up to the explosion in this reactor which is still a major issue today. Now, with this situation, we're talking about something, say you have a missile, and it's up in the air, and it's just cruising around, maybe over Finland or whatever, or maybe it brushes, because you know how the freaking Russians are, you know, especially with the Ukrainian border, and with the Jordanian border. Georgia or Jordanian? Georgian, with the Georgian border. They'll literally just, they'll fly, they don't give a shit. They'll bump, they'll, they'll, they'll slide right into foreign territory and they won't care. Well, instead of like a MiG doing it, what if it's a nuclear cruise missile doing it? And what if it malfunctions or we knock it out of the sky and then the thing lands somewhere and then you have all this dirty metal just sitting there with a live round in it. And what, what happens then when that shit crashes? Let's say it lands in China or it lands in Ukraine or it lands in Georgia or North Korea because that's who borders, you know, those are the two, the two countries that border North Korea, China and Russia. And let's just say it goes sideways or the missile gets hacked or something like that and that missile just fucking takes off. With a regular payload in it, but a nuclear energy source powering it. And then it just crashes somewhere. And now you've got expo exposed nuclear material wherever it lands. That's a mess. That's bad. Because if it lands in a, it, it can land anywhere. In a city, in a power supply, in a farmland, I don't know. Just, there are so many things I could think of that could make the situation sound even worse than it does. And it's the ones I can't think of. But the idea that this type of weapon is being tested. Nuclear weapons, nuclear energy sources are being tested. The U.S. right now, our objective is to use nuclear energy sources to get us out of the atmosphere. The Russians are testing stuff within the atmosphere. Okay. So, so we got that going on, which is, which is nice. And, but these are some of the articles we didn't, I wasn't able to get to last week. So we'll move ahead with the new current ones, which I think are pretty good ones, actually. 
But those are the ones I missed, so I want to check up with you on those. So if you have any questions or comments, you can email me directly or contact me directly. And if you have questions on you want me to research an article for you, I'm more than happy to. But we are at 32 minutes even. So we'll go ahead and jump into this week this this week's articles. Mm. I'm actually kind of excited to get out of here for a few days. And then as soon as I come right back, I'll be invigorated and I'm immediately going to start work on the studio, which I'll record and I'll post up on YouTube. Uh, okay. So, yeah. Also, yeah, please go to my, my freaking, go to my YouTube channel. Go to my YouTube channel. Hit subscribe, like, share, do all that shit. There's, you know, there's a lot of cool, there's a lot of cool recent content on there that I've been working on. And, uh, yeah. Love for you to be a part of it. So let's get to this week's articles. We're starting off with an awesome one. All right, this is off of, what is it? I've got two articles from CNET, one from Fox News, oddly enough, and one from Pocket. Pocket. This is from CNET, uh, Oscar Gonzalez. Gonzalez, Mama Gonzalez. Keanu Reeves back as Neo for Matrix 4 with Lana Wachowski directing. Now, in case you didn't know, no, I'm just thinking. Of, I it's one of those things in life. When you first saw the Matrix, it was directed by the Wachowski brothers. Well, it's now Lana and Lily, so it's now the Wachowski sisters. Um, they they changed a lot of their moving parts, but the funny thing is, is that Lily is not directing it. Only Lana. Lana is the only one who's going to be uh, directing it. I don't know what part Lily has, or maybe she's already attached to the product uh, project. But from all the failures, like maybe not failures, but financial failures that the Wachowskis have had recently with some big budget movies they've worked on, this might be their last chance at really getting back into the main, the mainstream as far as being requested to do movies or whatnot. They had Speed Racer, which was a good movie, but failed. They had uh, Cloud Atlas, which was an incredible movie. Cloud Atlas with Tom Hanks and Halle Berry is an incredible movie, but tanked in the box office. But incredible nonetheless. Like, you should see it. It's that good. It's very high level. It's very, very good stuff. Just wasn't properly explained, but I think it was a phenomenal flick. Um, so Keanu Reeves is back. I, uh, I'm going to go into the article blind here and see what other information we can get out of it. So let's, let's just jump into it. Time to choose the red pill all over again. Matrix 4 is in production and will bring back Keanu Reeves' Neo and Carrie Ann Moss's Trinity. Nice. With Lana Wachowski writing and directing the film reports Variety. 27. Okay, and then we'll go into the backstory here. 20 years has passed since The Matrix opened in the U.S. on March 31st, 1999. Computer-generated imagery, CG was revolutionary special effects, videotapes were giving away to DVDs, and mobile phones were becoming a fast must-have. So it was a cultural phenomenon. The Matrix captured all that. It's a movie everyone remembers, even if they haven't seen it. In the first film directed by Lana and Lily Wachowski, Reeves played a computer programmer and cyber criminal. Neo comes across Trinity who brings him to see Morpheus, Lawrence Fishburne, in a fateful choosing of the red pill over the blue pill. 
Neo learns his reality is a program called the Matrix. He wakes up to a grim actuality that humans are being farmed as power sources by robots. By the end of that, he comes to realize his destiny of being the one who will save humanity. This movie is what sparked off the whole talk about are we actually living in a simulation or not at this point. Uh, this movie kind of sparked it. The Matrix grossed $463 million in ticket sales worldwide. Kickstarted the Matrix franchise, included video games and animated future, which is called The Animatrix, and two more films, which sucked. Uh, except for the ending was kind of good. Let's see. Matrix Reloaded and Revolutions, the follow-ups to the first film, both came out in 03. The Wachowskis filmed both simultaneously with the principal actors returning. Matrix Reloaded takes place six months after the events of The Matrix. Neo is still getting used to being the one and tries to change the future he sees of Trinity falling to her death. Uh, okay, so yada, 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 Hugo Weaving. So it talks about the out overall plot line for this movie. The reason this movie was such a big deal was because of the cinematography and the CGI within the cinematography. The attitude of the movie. This movie has a lot of long, high-level talking points in it. So you actually have to watch the movie and pay attention to it um, to actually get a sense of what the hell is going on. But it was the first of its kind as far as the way the CGI moved, the camera set up, because it was a 360-degree camera angle where they had multiple cameras set all the way around. So when uh, Trinity would jump in the air, all of the cameras all the way around her would capture all of her movements so the camera could spin 360 degrees while she's in a complete standstill in the air. So you have to use all those camera, all those camera angles in order to capture that. And that was the first time that was ever used. Stop motion, 360-degree viewing, which was very, very clever. Very clever. I've never seen that before. I was quite impressed. So those, so that cinematography, and like I said, I'm a big fan of, of, of strong cinematography. When you do that, people are going to notice. Cinematography is everything. It's always been that way. So let's see. Didn't uh, right now Warner Brothers Picture didn't immediately re reply to a request for comment, but it talks about overall how all these movies made a shit ton of money, and that uh, yeah, it's coming back. And we, we've known about it for some time, especially right now where Keanu Reeves is on a killing spree as far as the movies he's making. He's got Bill and he's got the new Bill and Ted coming out. He has John Wick Three, which just came out, currently in production for John Wick Four. Uh, and he's got the and he's in the cyberpunk video game, Cyberpunk 2049. He just did a commercial for that. And the fact that everybody just loves Keanu Reeves. And he interviews so well. He was on the he was on the Dan Patrick show, did an amazing interview. He's on all other shows. Just an ama he's in a great interview because he's so honest and, and uh welcoming. He's very nice. Uh so I I'm all about this. I'm actually very curious to see if this movie can save the Wachowski name, bring them back to the because they've made some good movies. They really have. I mean, I loved Cloud Atlas, and I honestly I did enjoy uh, Speed Racer. I loved the ending because there was it was so colorful. It was a little it was a little childish in some parts, but for the most but I liked it. I was entertained by how it was designed. So I think the Wachowskis get at least one more chance to get box office numbers that they deserve. So 
I mean, the reason it was because the Matrix Revolutions Reloaded and Revolutions were not great movies. They just I don't know. I, I for many reasons I just I don't remember them vi- uh, vividly or appreciatively, whatever. They had some good parts, but like a lot of big movies nowadays, like The Dark Knight Rises, they were just kind of thrown together. It seems like they were thrown together, they were scatterbrained, and it just was not cohesively put together. You could still see the glue lines. And as somebody who pays attention to detail, I'm not a fan of that. So these are things to consider. Okay. Now that I've ranted about that, like I know what I'm talking about. Let's get to Fox News. This is the I think this is maybe the first time I've ever done a Fox News article on on the podcast. So, get ready. And this is this is a new one. This is by Chris Siaka, Siachia or C I A C C I A. Chris Siacha of Fox News. UFOs are coming out of black holes and altering galaxies forever. Quote, it's all very new science. Here we go. I'm just going to read this one and see where we end up at the end. So, get ready. Okay. Black holes are still a mysterious force of space-time, with the first image of one having been released just a few months ago. Now a new study suggests uh oh, that UFOs are coming out of them. helping to reshape galaxies along the way. According to the research published in Astronomy and Astrophysics, hot ionized gas, gas known as an ultra-fast outflow, UFO. Oh. This is why you pre-read articles. It's clickbait. UFO, not unidentified flying object, ultra-fast outflow, is flying out of the supermassive black hole that could help explain why there is nearly empty darkness encompassing the center of several galaxies. Well, it's science, so let's take a look into it. These winds might explain some surprising correlations that scientists have known about for years but couldn't explain, said the study's lead author, Robert Serafinelli, Serafinelli? in a statement. Uh-uh, statement. Cool. For example, we see a correlation between the mass of super black holes supermassive black holes, and the velocity of dispersion of stars in the inner parts of their host galaxies. There is no way, but there is no way this could be due to gravitational effect of the black hole. Our study for the first time shows that these black hole winds impact the galaxy on a larger scale, possibly providing the missing link. These scientists were studying galaxy PG1114 plus number 445, which is described as an active where they were able to see the UFOs, the ultra-fast flows, <laughs> escaping using the European Space Agency's X-ray Multi-Mirror Vision Mission XMM Newton Telescope. According to researchers' data, the energy from the UFO is being transferred to other winds, such as warm absorbers, near the black hole, causing these winds to move at incredible speeds. Quote, we believe that at this point, when the UFO touches the interstellar matter and sweeps it away like a snowplow, he added, we, can, we call this an, entertain, an entrained ultra-fast outflow because the UFO at this stage is penetrating the interstellar matter. It's similar to wind pushing boats in the sea. 
I said, Brandy, you're a fine girl. What a good wife you would be. A warm absorber is a slower moving, my lover, my lady, to the sea. From the black hole, which often travels at a much lower speeds of hundreds of kilometers a second and have similar physical characteristics, such as a particle density and ionization. This shit is all over my fucking head. But I can see what they're doing here. This stuff kind of leaks its way outside into the black hole, and then once it reaches the interstellar space, it just kind of scatters hard, hard body karate. This type of UFO, known as a trained UFO, is rare, adding it's the only sixth time, it's only the sixth time it has ever been seen by us, and the first time it was seen interacting with the other types of outflows. Why am I yawning? This is the sixth time these outflows have been detected. It's all very new science. The phases of the outflow have previously been observed separately, but the connection between them wasn't clear up until now. The discovery of UFOs and the three outflows together is exciting to researchers, but Norbel Chartel, I Chartel my pants, a Newton project scientist at ESA, wants to know whether this is a common occurrence in space, a space, or if it's one a one-off event. Finding one source is great, but knowing that this phenomenon, phenomenon is common in the universe would be a real breakthrough, said Chartel, my pants. Even with the XMM Newton, we might be able to find much more sources in the next decade. All right, they fucking, they had me. They clickbaited me. I was thinking aliens were coming out of the black holes, and they saw it, or they were studying it. No, it's these stupid fucking inlets with, with, with high tides. Or, or low tides. That's what it is. It's outflows. That's all it is. Nobody cares. Unless we can use it for space travel. I don't care. That was a wasted article. See, this is why you don't listen. This is why you, you, you don't read Fox News. <laughs> this, yeah, of all the reasons you wouldn't watch Fox News, this is the one I point to. Oh, I apologize, Jesus. All right, let's get to the next article. Let's go back to CNET. This is why I trust. I, I'm into CNET way more. We have 46 minutes. That's good. All right, let's get into some YouTube shit. Because uh, why not? All right, this is by CNET. Uh, Richard Nueva and Joan Soulsman. I'm a Soulsman. The YouTubers Union is demanding change, but that's not nothing. That's nothing new for Google. A union in Germany gives YouTube and Google up until August 23rd. What's today? The 21st. That's two days from now. To respond to its complaints. Well, let's find out what these complaints are. Let's read a little further. Late last month, IG Metall, a more than 125-year-old German labor union with roots for metal workers, took an unlikely new target, YouTube. In an odd couple partnership, the trade union has joined hands with the YouTubers Union. YouTubers. <laughs> a group of creators who demand to demand more insight into how the video sharing service makes decisions about pulling down or demonetizing their work. The pair have created a new organization called FairTube that is calling the Google-owned YouTube to set up an appeals process to be overseen by a third-party council. It's given YouTube up until August 23rd to enter negotiations, in quote. The poster child for this effort is just as unexpected as the alliance itself. It's not high-profile creator like Lily Singh or Matt Pat or Yori Save. Fairtube's spokesman 
isn't your typical YouTube influencer. He's a bald and sturdy 54-year-old German guy who makes videos about slingshots. We're fighting for every YouTuber, Sprave said in an interview. Talking on YouTube, one of the most valuable and influential companies on the planet is a long shot. Long shot. Even with Sprave... My reading sucks today. I'm sorry. Impressive aim. YouTube... Huh, I get it because it's a slingshot. Yeah. YouTube was one division in Google's sprawling internet empire. Is the largest video platform in the world. Gah! Welcoming more than 2 billion visitors a month. And Silicon Valley is famous for its individualistic approach to the world. Unions aren't really part of its DNA. But YouTube definitely has a collectivist mentality. That's not part of the article. That's just my opinion. So, Still, if there is a, any tech giant that used, that's used to a discussion or for, of organized labor, it's Google. Over the past several years, Google employees have protested projects and policies they view as unethical. Last year, the workers spoke out against Google's work on Project Maven, a Pentagon initiative to use artificial intelligence for improving the analysis of drone footage. Roughly 4,000 Googlers signed a petition and a handful resigned. Googlers have also protested Project Dragonfly, the company's effort to build a search product for, for China after it retreated in the market in 2010. Project Dragonfly, you guys need to look up. That was actually a very big deal and still kind of is. Um, the peak, especially nowadays with all the protests in Hong Kong, also, you need to check that out too. Philly DeFranco does a great breakdown of what's going on right now in Hong Kong. You guys need to check that shit out. Okay. The peak, uh, it's, it just talks about a lot of the current uh scandals, I guess, that are happening at Google. Uh, none of them was peaked activism. Activism came last November when 20,000 Google workers from offices around the world walked out to protest how the search handled, how the search giant handled sexual assault allegations against Andy Rubin, the creator of the Android mobile operating system and former senior executive. At the time, walkout organizers, much like IG Mattel, sent a list of demands to Google's leadership. YouTube said the company needs to invest in the success of the creators, while also making sure marketers feel free to safe to advertise on the platform. We take lots of feedback as we work to get this balance right, a spokesperson said in a statement, blah, blah, blah. Uh, the station, the situation with Fairtube is, of course, a different from the past protests at Google. The organizers aren't the search giant's employees, but YouTube use, users who populate the platform on with content. And Google employees haven't enlisted the aid of an outsourced union in pushing their agendas. The dynamics, however, are similar from a labor management standpoint, employer employment experts say. Google's ample experience with employee protests could affect the company's response to the fair tube, says Thomas Lands, a lecturer at the University of Southern California Gold School, blah, 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 you know, insert credentials here. The company has seen more than its fair share of mass dissent. Google, it just talks about a lot of fucking Google's mass dissent. Google's dissent, dissent, dissent. I don't, yeah, that's, those are all other stories. Uh, but I'll read this last part. Fairtube's main goal is more transparency from YouTube in addition to a third-party board for appeals. This is actually not a bad thing, though. Um, because when somebody does a monetization claim on your channel or a monetization claim on your on one of your videos that you made, or if somebody does a manual uh, a manual takedown of one of your videos, these are the these are all things that Google needs to be paying attention to right now with YouTube, and it's starting to actually. Matter of fact, it just filed a lawsuit against 
an independent uh, a, a user's channel just the other day um, for fraudulent takedowns. So right now, Google, Google well, YouTube at least, has to be paying very close attention to the fact that the users, the users can unionize, can lawyer up, and at the end of the day, they still they still answer to the public because people eventually can, with how technology goes, they can just start using other other search engines such as Bing or DuckDuckGo. People can switch to other platforms like Vimeo or Metacafe if it was working. So eventually all this shit will be so spread out that YouTube and Google will be fighting for, you know, the individual user. They need it. They need it. And they fight with advertisers on a daily basis because advertisers get scared. They jump ship. They overreact. They jump ship. And then YouTube has to go and find... They do an adpocalypse and they shut down a bunch of people's channels. They demonetize a person's channel. It's so silly. Where there's, there's plenty of advertisers out there, though. So, I don't know. You can go check that one out. It's on CNET. This last one, this last article is kind of silly. I hope it, it doesn't go from silly to idiotic. But we're going to go through it, too. This is on Pocketworthy. By... Uh, Aaliyah Wong. Oh, she's from the Atlantic. I have to be very cautious when I'm reading something from the Atlantic. I don't like their journalism. I think they're very skewed, and um, yeah. But we'll go through it, and we'll see what happens. Okay, why schools are banning yoga. Let's get right to the meat of the article, because we're at 53 minutes. In certain parts of the United States, it's getting more and more likely... Then, and we'll see if this is more of an opinion piece. Let's just deal with the facts. In certain parts of the United States, it's getting more and more likely than rather that a game of dodgeball in gym class or a round of heads up, seven up uh, as a break between lessons, students will instead find themselves doing downward facing dog. The internet is saturated with yoga-based lesson plans, teacher training courses, and mindful music playlists designed with for schools while programs for certified yoga instructors who want to bring their practice onto campus, have also gained popularity. While up-to-date data on the prevalence of school-based yoga is hard to come by, a 2015 survey led by New York University's psychologist Bethany Butzer has identified three dozen programs in the United States that reach 940 schools and more than 5,400 instructors. School-based yoga programs, Butzer and her co-authors concluded, are acceptable and feasible to implement. The researchers also predicted that such programs would grow in popularity. The trend, however, seems to have been accompanied by an uptick in vocal pushback against the idea. In 2016, an elementary school in Cobb County, Georgia, became the, sub uh -oh, uh, became the subject of heated controversy after introducing a yoga program. Parents' objections to the yoga classes on the grounds that they promoted a non-Christian belief system were vociferous enough to compel the district to significantly curtail the program, removing the namaste greeting and the coloring book exercises involving Mandela's. A few years before that, the group of parents sued a San Diego County school district on the grounds that its yoga program promoted Eastern religions and disadvantaged children who opted out. Wait, what? Let me read that again. 
A few years before that, a group of parents sued a San Diego County school district on the grounds that its yoga program promoted Eastern religions and disadvantaged children who opted out. While the judge ruled in favor of the district, the controversy resurfaced two years later amid concerns that the program was a poor use of public funds in already strapped in already strapped schools. Meanwhile, just last month, the Alabama Board of Education's longstanding ban on yoga caused some ballyhoo after a document listing it as one of the activities prohibited in gym class was recirculated, grabbing the attention of the Hindu activists. Proponents tend to cite cite studies underscoring the benefits of mindful-based therapies such as yoga for kids development. A 2009 study... Now, studies can easily be skewed, but there are studies in here, so we will kind of just leave them as... We'll, we'll give them the goodness of... Uh, we'll give them good-natured benefit of doubt. A 2009 study published in the Journal of Child and Family Studies, for example, found that mindfulness-based cognitive therapy, which teaches children how to divorce themselves from the harmful thoughts or emotions was linked to reduced anxiety and increased attention levels. Other studies suggest that mindful movements such as yoga helps enhance kids' executive functions, such as skills such as working memory, attention control, cognitive flexibility. Some studies have gone as far as concluding that yoga has a positive effect on students' academic performance or engaging particularly among students who've struggled with traumatic experiences such as poverty and struggle with self-regulation as a result. After all, that decades of research have shown that it's hard for children who haven't learned, who hasn't learned how to respond to stress to do well in school. But some observers question the research on yoga's benefits. Amy Wax, a University of Pennsylvania law professor who specializes in social welfare policy, in a 2016 Atlantic story criticized some existing studies of yoga, on yoga, and mindfulness as being a low quality and dubious rigor. Julia Bell is a senior health correspondent from for Vox. Vox, huh? Yeah, there's a trusted fucking source. Has noted that despite drastic increase in recent decades in the number of studies on yoga, the research tends to rely on small numbers of participants. Well, yoga classes are small. Imperfect comparisons and other lim among other limitations, and some parents argue that yoga's potential benefits aren't enough to justify spending at a time when public schools are already struggling with the limited funding. The most vocal uh, opponents tend to cite yoga's Hindu and Buddhist roots, arguing that the line between those origins and secular practices is often blurry. Yoga encompasses all kinds of approaches and techniques, some more spiritual than others, but those roots often filter into even the most insinuous, innocuous of mindful movement routines. Religious influencers are arguably even baked into the elements as symbol as Om chants poses with Sanskrit names and as the controversy in Georgia attests, collective namaste greetings. In the Cobb County case, some parents felt that the school was using a double standard in allowing yoga classes, yet banning other forms of religious practice in school. No prayer in schools. Some don't even say the Pledge of Allegiance, yet they're pushing ideology on our students. One mother, Sujan Jeremilo, told a journalist for the area's NBC affiliate, some of those things are religious practices that we don't want to our children doing in our schools. Yet the school's principals, who didn't end up apologizing for and revising the yoga curriculum, argued that much of the parents' criticism rested on false assumptions about the program. A parent said the Washington Post worried. For instance, that the school was promoting a Far East mystical religion with crystal and chants to be practiced under the guise of stress release meditation. In reality, school... Wow, this, is, this article fucking is nuts. But we're going to push through it. 
Uh, let's see. The minute you put Sanskrit into a curriculum, some parents are going to freak out. Adoption of these programs has been uneven across the United States. Yoga, okay. Big cities and liberal, liberal strongholds generally tend to be more vanguards when it comes to implementing progressive education. Okay, so, all right, so it kind of goes off. Ali Wong is a staff writer for The Atlantic where she covers education and families. Okay. Let me close on this. As far as the religious stuff goes, okay, I see your point. Especially in Georgia or wherever, there's a lot of, there's a lot of religious... Um, you got to separate that shit when you go to school and stuff like that. Religion, school should be mostly secular. Teach the facts. Okay, teach the facts about religion, how it can help you. Yoga is different. Yoga is at its yoga is meditation. Meditation is important. Yoga as an exercise isn't important. It is I as not isn't is important. Yoga is helpful for everyone. Bodybuilders, fitness athletes, people who are in stressful environments, people with high power jobs, anybody. Yoga is important. Yoga helps the body significantly. Because it helps with stress, stretching out muscles and joints and loose shut. And it helps the mind out because you're taking time to meditate. And in school, as you can tell, with all the shit that's been going on in schools lately, there's a lot of stuff. Kids are under a lot of pressure. Kids are under a lot of stress. And with the decreasing funds in schools already, kids should be learning the basics. But they should be learning art. They should be doing gym work. They should be going to music class and shop class. And I'm fucking, I'm fine with yoga too. Yoga, I fully support. I don't know why you would be... I get that maybe... Okay. There's no such thing as Christian yoga. There's no such thing as Jewish yoga. There's no such thing as Muslim yoga. It doesn't exist. Okay? Uh, you know, there's no... There's, 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 I've never seen a Catholic person lay on the ground and go, you know what? I think I'm just going to... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the, G, the Jesus Cobra today. It doesn't exist. It's yoga. Yoga is the only one that takes... Mindful practice, mindful practice of self of self healing and meditation, and actually does it. It actually helps the body. It's like waking up every morning and stretching. It's the same thing. It's the same fucking regimen. You're going through. The, you're drilling. You're essentially drilling. It's like take. It's like going to jujitsu class every day. You are drilling. You are drilling mindfulness, peace, tranquility, uh, classroom uh, collective. Cooperation, not in a bad way, not collectivism, but a collective cooperation of everybody doing the same position at the same time, stretching out, getting loose, and being calmer throughout the day. These things are important, especially in school right now. School's fucking nuts. What are you? What else are you going to teach us in school? You're better off throwing out the diversity and inclusion bullshit. Put fucking yoga class in there. I'm all for that. That's absolutely should be done. Oh, I should get Turcotte in here from Polkin Productions. He would agree with me. Bringing yoga into class? Hell yeah, dude. He'd agree with me 100%. To go into, imagine if you had an elective of gym classes. You could do standard gym class. You could do uh, weight, weight training gym class. You could do yoga gym class. And you could steer, you could already start your future by going in that direction. And it could be attached to if you wanted to be like a, a clinical psychologist or something like that or a personal trainer, or a life guide, or I don't know, something, and you can make that part of your elective of graduating high school. You can go into uh, introduction to psychology, you can go into clinical therapy, recovery, and you could do yoga too, because yoga is one of those things that 
when soldiers come back from the war or first responders, stuff like that, they use yoga as a means of recovery, as a means of just staying on the straight and narrow and not going sideways and off the, not talking yourself off a le- talking yourself onto a ledge. Yoga is extremely important. Yoga is rehabilitating in so many ways. Why not start these drillings, these disciplines early? Yoga is not necessarily religious. It it may have those connotations and the, the namaste bullshit. I don't know. But the idea is that you're making calmer students. You can still have a, a freaking a kid go to yoga class and they'll go throw his pl- pads on and play fucking football afterwards. You can do exactly that. You ever talk to some of these football players? They're actually very calm. Have you ever listen to like Heinz Ward or uh, the, the team from the 2004, 2005 Pittsburgh Steelers? Very calm when you talk to them up front. The savages on the football field, but very calm and nice to talk to. They're very down here. Yoga helps with that. Yoga is very therapeutic, very, very helpful. I don't know why it would be an issue, and I personally don't have any problems with it either. So if you're a yoga teacher and maybe you want to get into like a school district and you want to promote yoga, I would support the idea. I don't think it's a bad thing. 60 minutes of yoga in in an elective block I think there's a lot to do with it. I consider it an art. I consider it uh, health and wellness and recovery. I think it's great. I think it's great. I don't see any problem with that, and I think it should be encouraged. I kind of moved away towards the end, of the, moved away from the rest of the article because it was just kind of like it was going off and whatever. But I don't see why it's an issue. I don't know why you should be banning yoga or um, nor regulating it heavily. I get that you know there are some yoga teachers out there that you know love to you know adult yoga teachers like to smush their students but for the most part the actual practice of yoga is a very very good thing and i think it should be practiced in schools uh if done correctly i think it would be great why not promote good things why are you gonna have kids heads shoved in fucking textbooks all day long with the shit that they have to put up with i remember these like this like girl she was like four foot ten she was in my high school and she had like 50 pounds, 60 pounds of, of books in this giant L.L. Bean bag that she had to replace every year because the goddamn thing would rip and tear. And she had just a mass amount of books. Why can't she throw that down for an hour and go do fucking yoga? It's super healthy for you. Releases tension from all your joints. Clears your head. Allows you to think about things. I don't know. You can you can check that out. That's at the you can go to getpocket.com or you can go to you can just Google you can Google. You can search engine why schools are banning yoga. So you can check that article out. You can check out all the articles. You can email me directly. Uh Keanu Reeves back as Neo in Matrix 4. The UFO one was clickbaity bullshit from Fox News. YouTubers Union from Germany and why schools are banning yoga. We are at one hour and six minutes. Uh I survived this one. I'm a, I'm, I'm a little tired today. I'm trying to get I'm trying to get packed so I can head out for the for the a long well deserved weekend. Um, but if you have any questions or comments, next week new studio, new design, new setup. Maybe I'll have a guest. I don't know, but I'll have all that out to you hopefully in video form as long as I don't forget. And you can contact me of course through Twitch.tv/slash Positive Sarcasm One. I stream live every week the podcast and I record it later, which you can find on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music. Pretty much anywhere where podcasts are found, you can find it right there. Or you can download it or stream it directly from PositiveSarcasm.com. Please like, subscribe, and share, and rate and review. That's also important. Uh, you can also find me on Facebook.com slash Positive Sarcasm. 
And I also have a uh, positive sarcasm page on Facebook. You can like that too and follow it. Also, find me on Instagram at positive underscore sarcasm. Go nuts on there. You can email me directly, positive sarcasm at outlook.com. If you need posing music, if you're a physique or a bodybuilding athlete and you need posing music, message me directly. Go onto my website, positive sarcasm.com. Check out the posing music samples I have on there. I just posted a couple new ones. And you can also message me directly if there's a custom one you're looking for. And if your show requires CDs instead of jump drives, I will help you figure that out if you need to. Okay, I'll even ship them out to you for a price if you need to. Cover the cost of shipping. I'm happy to help you out with that. If you have any other questions, you can message me directly. You can support this podcast by going to positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. The new studio opens up September 1st. Any help is appreciated. That I'm all in. I am all in on this new studio. It's going to look really, really nice. But I am fully funding it right now. Uh, so other adventures had to be put aside in order for this one to come to fruition. So I would appreciate you guys spreading the word to anybody who's willing to give this little hour-long podcast a shot that's hopefully going to, has been expanding slowly, but definitely needs more of a kick in the ass. Um, So this new thing, I hope, really does bring some new fruit to the tree. But it's going to be awesome, and I'm going to be really excited once it's done, because once I get back from Maine, I'm going to be all about putting this motherfucker together. So... You can check out all the stuff I reviewed today, the studio renovations, the coffee samples, uh, the Shark and Wells Beach, the new Rambo trailer, the new It movie. It Chapter 2 comes out September 6th. Go check that out. But you guys can check me out on all social media that I've said is applicable. Uh, You can also find me on Reddit when I'm on there. You can check me out uh, on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, anywhere where podcasts are, are, are downloaded, or you can get it right from my website. But thank you guys for so much for listening watching and subscribing streaming live from this uh the i gotta take a nap streaming live from the square part studios i will check in with you next week this has been a positive sarcasm presentation To support this podcast, go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. Once again, positivesarcasm.com slash donate.